Greetings, and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a 15-minute summary, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 299. Starting off with security news. Apple did an emergency patch last week for a zero-day NSO exploit that installs its Pegasus tool. The attack affected every iPhone, iPad, Mac, and Apple Watch. The attack came in via messages, and once installed, the software gains essentially full control over the device. Citizen Lab alerted everyone to the issue, and the story is applying even more scrutiny to the NSO Group, which is an Israeli company that sells this software, Pegasus, to governments all over the world. And a lot of the criticism basically says they sell it to regimes that are not human rights friendly, which of course they disagree with that, but they tend to not be very transparent and talk to the media, so they take a lot of scrutiny as a result. The Darknet Diaries podcast actually did a decent amount of coverage of uh, this recently. Some pretty good episodes. You should check those out. Researchers have compiled a list of vulnerabilities used by ransomware groups. They include Pulse Secure VPN, Citrix, Exchange, Fortinet, SonicWall, F5, Palo Alto, QNAP, Sophos, SharePoint, Windows, Office, vCenter, Excelion, FileZen, Atlassian, Zoho, and Azure. Indonesia says at least 10 government ministries and agencies, including systems from their intelligence service, have been compromised by a Chinese threat actor, Mustang Panda. You should be able to sign into your Microsoft accounts without a password. Instead, you'll use Microsoft Authenticator, Windows Hello, a security key, or a login token sent via SMS or email. That is pretty cool. China disappeared, one of its biggest celebrities from the internet. Her name is Zhao Wei, and she's basically the Reese Witherspoon of China. Everybody knows her, and she just got Thanos snapped, essentially, out of existence. She can't be found on search engines, video sites, or anywhere. She's basically erased from Chinese history, or at least as it pertains to the internet. And this happened as China is in the middle of a crackdown on celebrity itself, which they essentially say is unhealthy at extreme levels. And of course, she was at the extreme level. So it's not really clear what she did to anger the government, but it could be that she was just simply too big and they wanted to make an example. And I imagine a lot of celebrities in China now who aren't yet disappeared are about to suddenly become very patriotic, which is probably exactly what China wanted. This is totally insane to me. This is the size of the weapon that China is wielding in this culture war 2.0. Erasure of self, no matter how big you are, if you're not sufficiently pro-party. Vulnerabilities, Adobe, SAP, Microsoft, Chrome, Travis CI, and Netgear smart switches. Companies, Neosec raises $21 million to do API security. And identity startup Persona 
is now valued at $1.5 billion. Technology news. The Apple September event. So as someone who used to work in security at Apple, I'm extremely pleased that a bunch of the rumors were wrong. It was supposed to have like, the Apple Watch was supposed to have like flat sides. Um, AirPods were supposed to come out. Like there was just tons of rumors. I, I don't really, I didn't track them that closely, but there were supposed to be like many things that were supposed to happen and they did not. And that has not been happening for multiple years. So it, it's like everything was spoiled within, you know, the months or days leading up to the event. And this time people got a lot of stuff wrong and yeah, I'm happy to see that. I'm a super Apple fanboy, as everyone knows, and I'm very transparent about. So I like to be surprised and delighted uh, when I see an event. And uh, the fact that this happened this time, it wasn't like surprise and delight that someone didn't know about, but the fact that there was any distance between what was expected and what actually happened was a good sign to me. So as far as the announcements themselves, I saw them as solid evolutions, kind of like an S release from the past. Uh, One group put it as 13 being a pitch perfect 12. I think that's right. The two things I'm excited about with the phone, uh, which I'm getting the Blue Pro, by the way, are the camera and the screen, which I guess that makes sense. Those were the main features, but the camera looks dramatically better. I mean... It is evolutionary, but it seems like a big jump in evolution. And the screen, I, I don't know. I haven't spent much time with 120 hertz or OLED on a phone, so I don't know how much that's going to matter. But I'm excited. And they say a little bit more battery life as well, so cool. Um, so I'll be getting the new watch when it drops. I am disappointed we didn't see more watch faces, though. More than anything, I I really want to see some creativity around watch faces. I just love watches, always have. Just bought myself a G-Shock, by the way. Like an original G-Shock, except for this one, the Solar. Anyway, yeah, watches. I would love to see more watch faces or open it up to developers or something just to get more options there. And what I'm really looking forward to watch-wise, which who knows when this will ever happen, is a round face. Because obviously that's, you know, traditional watch people want to see around face. And uh, yeah, I would love that if it ever happened. Next story here, like 80% of web backends are still written in PHP. In 2021, 80% of web backends, the programming language is PHP. The next closest competitor, ASP.NET. What percentage? 8%. So we're talking about, that makes up like 90%. So 80% PHP, roughly 10% ASP.NET, and every other language gets like, divides up the rest of the 10%. That is just stunning to me. I mean, I mean, you could say something for inertia, right? Where things just kind of endure and it's hard for them to die off. But 80% PHP, come on. And Intuit is buying MailChimp for $12 billion. That's million with a B. $12 billion for MailChimp. Human news. A company called Amdocs did a study that found that around 30% of Gen Z and millennials have thought about switching jobs, 
but only around 15% of Gen X and boomers. I thought boomers were like super old. How old is boomer? I'll have to look it up. Did a piece on it a long time ago. I thought it was like over 65 or 70 or something. Well, I guess a lot of those people at that age are still working. Anyway, Gen X and boomers, only around 15% are thinking about leaving. And Gen Z and millennials are more like 30%. So double of the older generations. We finally figured out what made the Stradivari violins the best in the world after all this time. So they were made in like between like 1660 and 1750. And we've been unable to match their quality ever since. So you got the best people in the world trying to make the best violins and they cannot match these super old violins. I, I think they still exist and they're like hundreds of years old. That's always tripped me out. I thought the wood would rot or whatever. Anyway, they finally figured out what it was. It was the varnish. It was the varnish on the wood. So they figured this out and I assume they're going to be replicating it. Women are nearly half of new gun buyers. Not sure how much this next one is anecdote versus data. I assume they're referring to data via this anecdote, but who knows? But uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman, who's out of Stanford, says a colleague of his told him around 25% of students age 16 to 32 take unprescribed Adderall, and 5 to 10% also take modafinil or armodafinil, which are nootropics. So he basically said, yeah, like 30% of students are taking essentially amphetamines. Although he did point out that modafinil and armodafinil are not amphetamines, but he said that they bind to the same receptors and have much the same function. I don't know if that means they're as dangerous. I don't think they are because they're not actually the real thing. But he said this is alarming, like 30%. And again, he's down at Stanford. And I assume when he says a, co a colleague, he's talking about a colleague at Stanford but I imagine this probably applies to a lot of elite schools and maybe a lot of schools in general. Who knows? We'd have to see the real data. But yeah, if this is true, 30% is pretty alarming. Some rich people are counting their antibodies. I don't know why they say rich people. I think a lot of people are doing this. In fact, I'll probably look up a place now that they mention it. Antibody treatment is actually getting really popular, especially those who don't want to get vaccinated. The irony is that the treatments are quite new and are basically cloned antibodies from Regeneron and Eli Lilly, which are companies that are not unlike Pfizer and Moderna. So they're happy to sit in a chair and be injected with cloned antibodies from a couple of pharma companies, but they think it's crazy to get a vaccine that teaches your body how to make the antibodies yourself. Ultimately, it comes down to conservative talk radio and podcast hosts promoting the latter, but not the former. In other words, the country is doomed. California has the lowest COVID rate in the country. Meanwhile, Alabama reported more deaths than births for the first time in its state history. And I think the numbers were something like 54,000 births and like 64,000 deaths, something like that. Content ideas and analysis, it's time for vendor security 2.0, my essay on our broken approach to vendor security and what I think we should do to fix it. The is ought problem in the ship of Theseus, how human perspective might be the missing piece to solving a number of timeless philosophy problems.
and my thoughts on the OWASP Top 10 2021, my analysis of the new list for 2021. And it is somewhat critical. There are some good things to say, but it's mostly a bit of a criticism here, to be honest. Why people aren't going back to work. Really brilliant video-based argument I just watched for why many people might not be returning to work. Essentially, the argument is millions of people got laid off from the COVID recession. And they're basically figuring out that most jobs are not dependable. And the illusion that they were dependable was the only reason they were willing to take so little pay doing a job that they didn't enjoy. So if you take away that illusion, you, you, you're essentially left with no earthly reason to go into this crap job that doesn't pay very much. Now, I think it's a cool argument. I think it's smart. And I think it's definitely a factor. But I think the percentage of people who are going to start a business and pursue their dreams is much lower than this person thinks. I mean, so their argument was basically a lot of people are going to just go out on their own, you know, strike out on their own and become entrepreneurs or creators or whatever, because now they realize they could do that and they, and they might as well do that. They might as well take the risk because the dependable job, you know, at Walmart or wherever, you know, a, a regular job, Starbucks, you know, whatever, a restaurant, those regular jobs are not actually safe. So you might as well go become a creator. I don't think there's that many people who want to convert over or believe that they can convert over to becoming creators. So I don't think that's as much of a factor as this person does. I think many more will just decide to stay out of the job market as long as possible, like however they can, by like moving back home, living off of a partner, etc. And I think if you combine those two with stimulus money, I think you have most of the explanation right there for why you're not seeing people go back. And actually another story here, which I didn't mention, is that the number of open jobs right now is massively spiked. It's actually higher than pre-pandemic. So th this is a very real phenomenon. Unemployed spies. So there have been several stories about former spies being hired as consultants in repressive regimes to track down dissidents. It's starting to remind me of like, the Iraqi Republican Guard situation during the early wars. So we walked in and just disbanded the entire group. And what do you know, they became a major problem for us. And I'm not equating the two. I'm not saying, you know, our own people doing this are as bad as the Republican Guard or anything like that. Point I'm saying is that I'm sure those Republican Guard would have rather been doing their old jobs or doing something else more productive. But working against their own government became lucrative and their kids had to eat, right? So th this is obviously a less extreme example, but we seriously need to think about how to maintain moral employment for people with highly valuable and highly morally sensitive careers. Spies, assassins, I don't know, is assassin a real thing? I, of course it is, but I'm not sure why I put it in the list. It's quite sad to see it in, in type, but yeah. Spies, assassins, I don't know, weapons specialists. I'm not thinking of other examples. But you can't just train these folks up and wave goodbye at the end of their terms and just be like, you know, best of luck with your career, right? You can, but they'll, they'll go work for like a frenemy. And that's exactly what we're seeing. So there should be some sort of permanent home for these types, like in a friendly capacity, so that they don't feel pressured to take their skills elsewhere. 
And that should be required to even fund and run a program that trains them in the first place. Right? They have to have a long-term plan for how to keep these people from not being dangerous to our interests. Notes. So I'm seriously loving Sean Carroll's The Big Picture. The concept of poetic naturalism really resonates with me, as does the idea of effective theories, which is basically a model of the way things work that will never change, even if we get better explanations for physics later on. So that's effective theories. And poetic naturalism is basically that there's multiple ways to describe the same exact phenomenon, like an airplane wing. You can describe it as a wing, and if you're an airplane mechanic, that makes total sense. And if you're a random person who flies on planes, that makes total sense. If you deal in chemistry or physics, and all you deal with is atoms, is there really such thing as a wing? Not really. It's just kind of like a collection of atoms in some random shape, right? So which one is correct? Both of them, right? It all depends on the context that you're speaking within. So I think those are really cool concepts. I am now knee deep in the UL book for the month, which is Mastermind and Book Club is this coming Sunday. And I'm looking for a new fantasy series. So if you have any recommendations, I'd appreciate it. Discovery, sponsored discovery this week, SEMGREP. As someone who's been in application security for over a decade, I personally believe that this tool, SEMGREP, is the future of static analysis. That's how excited I am about this tool. And by the way, I got to write this copy myself. Didn't get it from uh, the sponsor. And uh, yeah, so this has been on the radar for a while now. And I talked about it before here on the show. And my friend Clint Gibbler of TLDRSEC, the, the newsletter, which you have to check out, by the way. He also works there. So essentially, this thing is a framework for searching for things you care about within code. And that's my own description. But you can find things within code, within configurations, whatever. It's wicked fast. And basically, anything you want to search for, you can write a YAML rule for and integrate it with your workflow. It supports over 17 languages and is powered by over 1,000 community rules. If I had to rate my top security tools for the past few years and make predictions for impact going into the future, my top two would probably be Nuclei and SEMGREP. And by the way, both Nuclei and SEMGREP are YAML-based, where you write your own rules and there's a whole bunch of community rules. So I find that interesting. Anyway, if you do anything around static analysis, seriously, take a look. SEMGREP. Next item for discovery here, don't be the insecure interviewer. This resonates strongly with me. I've, I've seen a million of these people. It's like they're asking you things, but they're really just trying to get props for themselves. So it's like, oh, you know, I asked this because of that, or I did this in the past. And they take different answers from the person being interviewed as like challenges. And it just turns into this pissing match. It's really uncomfortable to watch. And I'm sure horrible for the person interviewing. A housing theory of everything. The idea that unaffordable housing is a meta problem that causes most other problems. Men are giving up on college. Every engineer should do a stint in consulting. Strong agree. A threat intelligence Kanban board. And write something. Recommendations. James Clear's newsletter. 
is one of the few I look forward to every single week. I think it's on Thursdays. It's just a few quotes, super fast to get through. We're talking like three minutes, two minutes, something like that. Uh, extremely concise, positive, and thought-provoking. Uh, it's called the 321 Newsletter by James Clear. And the aphorism for the week. Of all forms of caution, caution in love is perhaps the most fatal to true happiness. Of all the forms of caution, caution in love is perhaps the most fatal to true happiness. Bertrand Russell. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. If you're not a member already, please consider signing up at danielmeisler.com slash subscribe. Members get the newsletter every week instead of twice a month, as well as access to the UL Slack channel and a private RSS feed for member-only content. Either way, if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends. We'll see you next time.